Let's talk TakeOver. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Undisputed Future Podcast discussing NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. I am CD Danny Mac. You are a part of Team NXT if you are joining me right now, so thank you for listening. Thank you to each and every podcast I've been interacting with on social media this week. The discussion has been on fuego. And to be perfectly disclosed with you guys, kinda sorta lost my first audio file on Audacity that I recorded Wednesday after the TakeOver Chicago pre-show, post-show, aftermath first rounds with Bianca Belair and Dakota Kai and also the War Raiders and the newly deemed Mighty, formerly known as TM61. So I had something recorded before that. It is Saturday. I did plan on releasing it then, but it's it's just unfortunate technology I am a victim to. So it is Saturday night. We are just about a week removed from TakeOver. I hope to have this episode out for your Monday morning commutes or whatever you happen to be doing at walking to and from class or just sitting around enjoying listening to me and taking you into a heavy discussion of NXT TakeOver Chicago 2, also known as where DIY fully became DOA, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano ripping each other apart as well as the entire ring and arena, but I'll get to that at the end. Let me discuss two men who proved exactly why they deserved to be in the TakeOver spotlight. Oni Lorcan, Danny Burch, the one-two punch, taking on the reigning tag team champions of NXT, Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly, representing the Undisputed Era and accompanied by their leader, Adam Cole Bebe. It was a gritty, hard-hitting, smash-mouth, high-octane, despite all the evidence and news. Surrounding this division, right now, this match is worth talking about. The chemistry. The chemistry in both teams, it was apparent. Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan went from the most vicious and ferocious of opponents in absolute spectacles back and forth and technical wrestling at its finest realizing that these two forces can collide for one killer bald bruising british bostonian tag team really taking it to roderick strong and kyle o'reilly but the x factor is the north american champion Adam Cole, the leader always looking out for his team Adam Cole dragging his Undisputed Era Brethren out of a arguably three count. Almost have two new tag team champions in the most unexpected of teams. Oni Lorcan's hot tag is always something to see. Danny Burch single-handedly holding off attacks by himself. But two of my personal favorites of the Undisputed Era were defending these titles and they executed total elimination Red Dragons, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly's finisher to perfection, and they would seal their victory at Chicago for the Tag Team Championships. Now, this match did exactly what it should. It gave the crowd a hot start. It turned a very, an undisputedly 
undisputed era heavy crowd in Chicago for Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan, at least at the ends. These guys got a resounding ovation, and with the work ethic as hard as these two, they deserved it. And four of the hardest working guys in professional wrestling laying it out on the line to begin TakeOver Chicago 2. Now, news surrounding the NXT Tag Team Division, and I'm not just talking about the impressive match between the War Raiders and the Mighty, but Trent Seven and Tyler Bate with a huge victory, well, British Strong Style, six-man tag team action to behold on Monday, but Tuesday pre-recorded tapings, I'm just going to leave it at WWE Twitter does not believe in hashtag spoiler-free zone like yours truly, but Mustache Mountain taking on Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly for those NXT Tag Team titles. I'm watching either way. I hope you guys have the same exact outlook. But let's shift away from that and shift the spotlight where it truly belongs. Velveteen Dream taking on the one and only Ricochet in one of many of his TakeOver matches. And I know this match was good. I know how good it was. But it's just something you think you want to see again because of how remarkable these two talents are. How much they clash, but how similar you know they are. And two of the hardest working young guys and well-traveled. We know of Ricochet's Prince Puma lineage in Lucha Underground. At least that's where I personally first found of his fame. And you could argue the same thing for Velveteen Dream based on that entrance. Jumping right into this match starts with the entrances. Velveteen Dream with an unbelievable Terry Bollea, uh Hulk Hogan, some of you guys may uh, may know him as too. Dreamomania was running wild, brother. And the Prince Puma imitation pants, Velveteen Dream once again proving he is a master of psychology. Ricochet, it feels like a superhero, enters the arena wherever this guy sets foot. And with his aerial displays, we know how important that aura is to him. And it's probably the most standout part of his character. But he also has proved that he wants to leave NXT a better place than when he brought it. You you reach out to him on Twitter. I've heard his discussion, I've read screen caps of, when are you coming up to Raw or SmackDown? Do you think they're going to ship you to 205 Live? Ricochet's focus is on NXT. Velveteen Dream is focusing on being the most talked about star, no matter where he is. These two guys also laying it out on the ring floor, off the top rope, anywhere you looked, there was impressive offense to be had, as expected, these two had match of the weekend. I really thought Undisputed Era and Oni Lorcan, Danny Burch, tag team titles was the dark horse for match of the weekend, and I stuck to it until the end of this one. Unbelievable showing by two of the youngest talents. Now, where do these guys go after this? Ricochet with an impressive 640, and I know how much I'm underselling when I say impressive. There's just no... I can't think of a higher grade adjective to describe an aerial display like that on the lower back of Velveteen Dream to seal the victory. Where does Ricochet go from here? Do we have a jump to Aleister Black for the NXT Championship in a clash of mega babyfaces? Does Ricochet 
decide to really take it to the Undisputed Era in the singles action and qualify for the North American Championship. If Ricochet wants to leave his mark on NXT, you gotta believe gold is in his sights. And Velveteen Dream, Velveteen Dream is looking to cement his name and make sure it doesn't leave your mouths. Where it's going to go, I have no idea, but you know Velveteen is in for big things, and the guy is going to lay it out and have the most awe-inspiring rivalry if he's given the chance. First with Aleister Black, and now with Ricochet. I am blown away by both of these matches. Bravo to those two guys. Just, it, it's great to be a pro wrestling fan. That's really the only way to sum it up, and these two guys have an incredibly bright future. Somebody who doesn't really like brights and is a little partial to the darkness is Sanity's twisted sister, Nikki Cross, and she was hell-bent on taking her crazy straight to the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler versus Nikki Cross for the NXT Women's Championship. And Shayna proves that you can suffocate chaos. An unexpected win in my book, but the dominance of Shayna Baszler is apparent, and Nikki Cross getting a proper send-off in NXT. Where it's all going to go with Sanity is still up in the air. I'm really hoping for some big things for this faction. Alexander Wolfe, Eric Young, the Beast of Belfast, Killian Dane, and arguably the best female talents in WWE, Nikki Cross, deserve big things on SmackDown Live. But it is all about the champion, it is all about the dominant reign, and the crown jewel of the Queen of Spades. Nikki Cross delivered all of the offense and encouraged the receiving of offense from Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler threw everything she had and more at Nikki Cross, and Cross was resilient till the very end. And that's been Nikki Cross's MO since the beginning of her run in NXT. We've seen her in classics for that NXT Women's Championship, including a last woman standing with Asuka, and we all have seen, I hope, the hardcore spots that Nikki Cross has been put in. The woman can take a beating, but the goal of Shayna Baszler was to suck the air, to suffocate chaos, and deliver a blackout the way Baszler could, which is with that Kumafura, Kirafuda clutch. Yeah, tongue-tied on the Japanese pronunciation there. Uh, rear naked choke as made famous by Samoa Joe. Nice new haircut by the equal opportunity assassin and former NXT champion. Former two-time NXT champion. Quick shout out to Samoa Joe in the middle of an NXT Women's Championship segment. Anything can happen here on the UFP. But Shayna Baszler successfully retaining her championship. A post-match interview Pretty much reiterating exactly what I just said, wanting to cut the life off of Nikki Cross, sending her out of NXT for good. I mean, I hope so. I'll send you back a couple seconds to my praise of sanity. But Baszler is in for possible big things. Her sisters in the Four Horsewomen of MMA have been signed to WWE. Not fully sure of Marina Shafir or... Jessamine Duke's status 
right now. I'm not sure if it's fully NXT contracts, if it's strictly Performance Center and NXT Live Circuit sort of deals. Right now, any other source can point me in a direction. I would highly appreciate it. But Nikki Cross, I predict, going up to SmackDown and either reigning supreme as a singles star or definitely being the heartbeat of the sanity faction that we have all come to know and love. Bravo, ladies. Great NXT Women's Championship match. Shayna Baszler's dominance is highlighted. Who is going to step up to the bully? I definitely see a Mae Young Classic Finals rematch in the future between Baszler and Kyrie Sane. But shifting away from women's action, let's jump into a worthy contender for the NXT Championship. Lars Sullivan able to deliver dominance before Chicago against the champion Aleister Black. And it was all up for grabs and will the Black Mass connect? It was a quick question that was first answered as a no with an immediate counter to the move in the beginning of the match. Very important, very integral match point when you counter a big kick like that. Especially with your with your bare hands. I've avoided spinning heel kicks just barely across my own chin, but I've never caught them before. I can't imagine what having the Lars Sullivan-sized hands could possibly feel like. What What could be on the other end of that? Knowing that your best weapon is possibly in jeopardy when this man is at 100%. Hell, it was in jeopardy when Lars was in about 30%. It took until Sullivan was down on his knees and a second straight black mass spinning heel kick to Sullivan's jaw to seal the victory for the Dutch Destroyer. But I do want to talk about Lars Sullivan being a worthy contender, not just making the impact and sacrificial black mass of his own on the NXT commentary table. Lars Sullivan came out swinging as a dominant force in NXT. You really can't go down from being NXT number one contender, but with the North American Championship, you can possibly go across. Where it's all going to go after Adam Cole defends it against Walter, I believe the Evolve event is tonight, Saturday? Yeah, I think that's right. Well, by the time this episode releases, we'll know the future of the North American Championship. Let's presume Adam Cole successfully retains. I believe it's going to be defended in another multi-man situation. And Sullivan was in the inaugural North American Championship. The guy needs to take and hold something in those monster hands of his. But as long as Aleister Black is at the helm and the Dutch Destroyer holds the gold, he will not be successful this time. Aleister Black and Sullivan, despite the repeated video, Black Mass miss about halfway in the match. Let's chalk that up to Sullivan's exhaustion and just falling over on his own. I'd kind of look at that as an integral storytelling part if you want to look at the optimistic side of a supposed botch. But Aleister Black successfully retains despite any flaws in the matchup, and Sullivan does his job as a worthy contender going down the road to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4, which I can't wait to see Aleister Black walk in as champion. A great live band entrance last year. Cannot wait to see what's in store for the champion. But I'm really hoping he's not as in the shadows 
about defending his title heading forward in Brooklyn as he was in the road to Chicago. Lurking on his contenders is fine, but based off of the Gargano and Champa street fight and Sullivan's still reign of dominance over anybody in NXT and what Velveteen Dream and Ricochet just proved and what any member quite frankly, of the Undisputed Era, presumably once Bobby Fish is healthy, can jump out and once contend for the NXT Championship. So Aleister Black needs to be an active champion in seeking his contender on the road to take over Brooklyn 4. Give me your thoughts on some talents to watch. But let's jump into this worthy discussion, this Chicago street fight, the bad blood from once it all began Johnny Gargano, Johnny freaking wrestling, accompanied by a crutch granted to him by his wife, Candice LeRae Gargano, takes on the Sicilian psychopath, the psycho killer, his once DIY brethren, Tommaso Ciampa. Not just DIY brethren and tag team partner, best friend, best man, somebody Candice LeRae does not, does not recognize anymore and you really look back and the dedication behind Candace's kick his ass it really got you hyped as if you could be anymore for this matchup some pivotal and emotional storytelling for professional wrestling fans this past weekend guys Okada Omega 4 and Gargano and Champa unbelievable moments in this match Tommaso Champa ripping up that ring apron to expose the wood flooring. I recognize it once before, and uh, it once again, uh, it features some high-profile NXT talents. One, Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett leading the Nexus to the post-match assault on John Cena and powerbombing him on the bear ring apron. If you could point out a time past that, but that stood out in my memory, and I'm a huge Wade Barrett fan. I can't possibly imagine if that guy was not injury-plagued, injury what a English world champion could have done. William Regal's face could have lit up watching Wade Barrett be WWE champion. I sure as hell believe that one. But the leader of the Nexus leading an assault like that was the last time I remember a ring being ripped up in such a fashion. What? scarring. What's it going to happen? When's it going to play out? What's the pivotal match point where that ring apron is going to come into play? And then you watch everything else play out. You watch the physicality. You watch Gargano flying all over the place. You watch the sadistic look behind the black heart Tommaso Ciampa. You look at the dedication in his eyes to send Johnny Gargano pain and to send him out of Chicago on a stretcher for the second time in just over a year. Just barely the second time you could send your former best friend out on a stretcher in the same place. This unbelievable PTSD was not just displayed in Tommaso Ciampa's intentions, but Johnny Gargano's as well. Gargano giving the Black Heart a piece of his Rebel Heart when his Wedding ring was sent flying by his former best friend. The guy was there for that event, and you still have that much disrespect. I I thought the 205 table did a phenomenal job there. 
but that's when the inner fanboy in me really reached down and said, how would Mauro Ronaldo react to this? And as just a man who has too much respect for him, I'm not even going to try and imitate it myself. I am just going to sit here and send out that disgust with a slight bit of relief at Johnny Gargano, getting that slight bit of redemption, sending Tommaso Ciampa through with a vicious Celtic cross, double tables, just like last year, just where it all began, just flashbacks, but on the opposite end. It sends out a really heavy, heartfelt message in that match. You think Gargano's going to get the redemption. You think Johnny is going to have two wins. One of those solidified and recorded in the WWE matchbooks. Don't forget the unsanctioned match way of things playing out. But Gargano picks up a win? No. No, that sick bastard Tommaso Ciampa's plan with that ring apron all comes back. And we see a hard-hitting DDT. And the Blackheart seals victory in Chicago, and the audience is stunned, and I'm still sitting here a little bit, just under a week removed, what is it, 6.41 p.m., just a little bit under a week removed, that's Eastern Standard Time for anybody in uh, Team NXT around the world, and by around the world, I mean possibly in the UK and elsewhere in the country of the United States. Gargano and Champa delivering a unbelievable story. I can't wait to see where it goes from there. The series is tied. The official record books and Tommaso Champa's sick twisted head might not say the record books are tied, but these two guys have a win apiece in two ruthless scenarios. How much further can it go? Will it be an I quit match? Will these guys get a solid half hour to just beat the living crap out of each hour? each other and deliver as many wins on each other's side as they possibly can in a 30 to 60 man but let's face it I'm sending out my cast a little far there Iron Man type will we see the first ever Hell in a Cell in NXT history give me your thoughts what is the next step in the Gargano Champa saga and just a quick shout out for the Captain America gear worn by Gargano and the Thanos sick design t-shirt by Tommaso Ciampa. I know neither of those things are coming to WWE shop and you get the explicit message by Tommaso Ciampa if you don't believe me about the Thanos tank top and I'm getting sad all over again just talking about it. But that's all for my TakeOver Chicago 2 discussion. Give me any other thoughts, follow-up discussion. Where do you think the road from Chicago to Brooklyn is going to lead through Full Sail University, who is going to stand out? And I can name four sets of talents that are definitely going to stand out. I will get to what is perceived as the aftermath in just a matter of moments. But I'm I'm just privileged again to call a TakeOver Chicago events. It's It's been an unbelievable ride getting to talk about this Gargano and Champa storyline. I get hyped up just sitting here by myself and talking it to my dog. Imagine if the show had a co-host once in a while. Imagine if it wasn't just me yelling in your ears. Oh, well. It's due to happen again. If you you want to hear another voice, don't forget, I do have an interview with founding member of Sanity, Sawyer Fulton, available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Now let's jump into the TakeOver Chicago first round of Aftermath, and I'm going to start with the EST of it all in Bianca Belair taking on Team Kicks captain Dakota 
Kai. Dakota Kai wanting to prove her standing and her worth in the NXT Women's Division after an unsuccessful championship voyage and bullying stand-up attempt against Shayna Baszler. And it's just breaking my heart all over again. I could just picture that vicious arm and elbow injury being delivered to Dakota Kai. And Kai needed a little bit of redemption, but Bianca Belair is always here to stand out. The EST, the baddest, the fastest, the strongest, the best that NXT Women's Division has to offer. And a special wedding weekend for her and Street Profit, Montez Ford. But to sidetrack away from that, a well-deserved victory as well. Power on display, despite the short little comeback, no pun intended, by Dakota Kai. The vicious team kick offense, the the face wash in the corner has got to be one of my favorite corner moves in the women's division, up and down. It, it's great. It's great. I'm a, I'm a kicker myself, so I'm very, very partial to Dakota Kai's offense. But I'm a big believer in Bianca Belair. The Who Is segments go back just... Go back any three or four episodes, and I'll talk about the importance that the Who Are segments had on Bianca Belair. That they will have on Bianca Belair. That they have had on now tag team champion as of TakeOver Chicago 2, Roderick Strong. As of the big character change in TM61, now known as the Mighty, who I'm going to talk about in a matter of moments. Both of these superstars getting Chicago and TakeOver taping spotlights after having two... Separate Who Are segments. I believe in that. I hope you guys do too. Bianca Belair with a huge victory after a reverse torture rack face buster falcon arrow. I'm really hoping that move gets a name soon because it's a great power display. I do like it better than the alley oop reverse power bomb. Not taking anything away from the showing by Dakota Kai, but Bianca Belair deserves this victory and it was earned here in Chicago. Now let's talk tag teams. Let's talk Harry Hansen and Rampaging Row, the War Raiders, taking on the Mighties, Shane Thorne and Nick Miller, with their new change in attitude and new tag team finisher, which seems to be feet on the ropes, held down in an attempt to blind the referee's view. But it did not pair out when you're dealing with a team as wickedly fast and powerful as the War Raiders. The world-traveled former ROH Tag Team Champions delivered a beating in kind of an unexpected squash. I expected maybe the match to be a little bit longer. Maybe it was because of the TakeOver recap. It felt like a shorter match, but I thought War Raiders and especially TM61 after calling out the War Raiders for this match to begin with might have had a little bit more to prove, but I'm not taking anything away from Shane Thorne and Nick Miller. I like the change in attitude. It shows in their offense. It shows in their entrance attire. All the little things are starting to fall into place for the mighty, and they're going to prove why they don't kneel. Although they were forced to their backs by the vicious power of the War Raiders. That guillotine leg drop to vicious backbreaker backbreaker, back suplex, excuse me, I get excited just talking about these moves, I got my war thumb 
tucked in finger signal up right now. Let's, I'm hyped talking about these guys. War Raiders, I believe in. I believe in the big power heading towards TakeOver Brooklyn. With all of the news surrounding NXT tag teams, there's just too much talent not to have a multi-man contention. And we haven't had that in a Brooklyn scenario quite yet. We've had classics. We've had the Blake and Murphy factor take on the Vaudevillains. Remember when the Vaudevillains got a monster pop? I certainly do. We had the Revival take on DIY at TakeOver Brooklyn 2, which inspired the creation of this show. I can't stress the importance of that matchup. I'll end up going an extra 30 minutes. We had Sanity take on the Authors of Pain. If you look back on the network, as soon as I believe it was Razor and Eric Young fighting on the outside, me, the musician DRJ, and more consistent co-host in the beginning of the show, Nikki Six, are a part of that on the WWE Network history. Unbelievable matches for the tag team titles coming out of Brooklyn. I really hope NXT gets a spotlight for all of the talents in their tag team division. Mustache Mountain, Undisputed Era, War Raiders, any of the teams between Heavy Machinery, Street Profits, the mighty TM61, Oni Orkin and Danny Birch possibly fighting from the ground up to get another spotlight, depending on where Danny Birch's status in the NXT UK division stands. Anything is possible, everything is wide open, and I could not be more excited to take this NXT journey with you guys. Thank you so much for listening. That concludes my Chicago discussion. I'll be back from vacation. And next time I do, I'll be talking Chicago aftermath. And by aftermath, I mean the real stuff. When the stories start to develop in the Full Sail University tapings. And maybe we start to see a little bit of shades of gray heading towards what could make up the TakeOver Brooklyn card. And you know I'm excited for it. I'll be with you every step of the way. I am C.D. Danny Mac, thank you for joining me. Don't forget to follow the social media at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. It's my most popular form of reaching out. Thank you for getting me to over a thousand followers. I appreciate the reaching out during main roster events such as Raw and SmackDown live tweeting pay-per-views. Thank you to all the podcasts who interact with me. Brotherly Love Wrestling in Philadelphia, Nick's Rock and Roll, Royal Rumble, Royal Rumbling, Let's Talk Wrestling, Wrestle Coverage, the list goes on and on. Chances are, if you've liked any of my posts, I'm talking about you guys. Thank you for the slightest bit of replies in the NXT Women's Championship Fantasy Booking. I'm going to start reposting that thread. It was supposed to be a part of this episode, but it hasn't quite taken shape yet. So the aftermath for Chicago and that thread is hopefully going to be making up episode 57. But this has been episode 56. And whether it's your first time or your over 50th time, I'm going to thank you again for being a part of Team NXT, for sitting here and listening to me and allowing me to be a part of your drive or walk or commute. However you decide to listen to the podcast, I appreciate it. Reach out to me on the Instagram as well at Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word for that. And the Facebook, you could find me on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud is 
where the RSS feed and my more popular link sharing is going to be coming from, but I'm also on Podbean and Stitcher and any third-party sites that may use my feed, and I appreciate you listening to me, whatever the medium. I am CD Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice for NXT coverage. This has been the TakeOver Chicago 2 episode. Have a great week. I couldn't do this without you, and happy Rusev Day.